Last week, we began a series, short series of messages for three weeks called In the Zone. Want to live in the zone. And as we kick off the message this morning, I want to start with a short video. Most of you will probably recognize it. Some of you are like, I have no idea what this is. Just enjoy it. You'll like it. Here we go. All right, Cheryl, what is it? Fish got your tongue? <laughs> a duck! I gotta find my son, Nemo! <gasps> Nemo? Hey, 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 he's that fish! You know what we've been talking about? The one that's been fighting the whole ocean. Hey, I know where your son is. Huh? Hey, wait! The come back! Stop! He's going! He's crazy! I got something to tell ya! Mine. Okay, don't make any sudden moves. Hop inside my mouth if you want to live. Hop in your mouth, huh? And how does that make me live? Mine? Because I can take you to your son. Yeah, right. Oh, I know your son. He's orange. He's got a gimpy fin on one side. That's me! I watched that clip, and uh, it, it kind of reminds me of a few situations that um, I had with my boys when we were, they were growing up. Now, they like candy, and uh, unfortunately, their dad liked candy too. And uh, probably one of our favorites was nerds, and um, I love nerds. Anybody like nerds? Nerds fans in here? I love nerds, and the boys like this, so this was probably our favorite candy. I love nerds. I didn't need a whole lot of motivation to go buy some for them because I'm like, hey, I'm going to get some of that. And so I would buy boxes of candy and I'd give them to the boys. And there were a few times where Zachary or Brandon's over there and man, they're loving their nerds. They're just loving them. And I'm sitting over there, I'm watching them and I'm like, okay, can I, can I have some? And they said, no. <laughs> no. No. Well, obviously, there's a few things they don't understand, right? I gave them to them. They wouldn't even have the nerds if I hadn't got them for them and give them to them. That's one. Two, they obviously don't understand how strong I am. Because I can take them from them if I want to. And number three, yeah, at that time, at that time <laughs> I can still take them. <laughs> Let me tell you something, kids, you ain't never going to be bigger than, you, than your daddy. <laughs> and number three, number three, is they didn't understand that if I wanted to, I could buy 300 boxes of nerds. I could buy more nerds and give them more nerds than they could eat in a year. And they stand over there going, no, no, it's mine, 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 mine. 
I got a box. I'm holding on to it. And I'm like, I can give you more than you. I, you get sick eating them. I've, never, I've tried. I haven't happened yet, but I could. Church, we all got boxes of nerds. We all got boxes of nerds. Some are small boxes. Some are big boxes. Some are medium-sized boxes. We've all got boxes of nerds. And we run into this same thing with God. God has allowed us to have something. And he says, hey, I want some of that. And we're standing over there going, no, no, it's mine. It's mine. And God says, well, obviously you've forgotten a few things. Number one, I gave it to you. Number two, I can take it away from you if I want to. And number three is I can rain down more boxes of nerds than you could possibly stand. I can just let them fall out of the sky until you can't stand it anymore because I want to be that good to you. We've all got boxes of nerds that we're holding on to and God's saying, hey, share them with me. And we're sitting over there going, no, they're mine. Well, we're talking about for three Sundays living in the zone. Living in the zone. And we said last Sunday that a zone, a definition that we gave it, is an area that is distinguished from the surrounding areas. So you've got an area that is clearly different from everything else that's around it. And, and I'll give you a, a great example of what that might look like. This, is, this picture is what the zone might look like for birds. <laughs> True, isn't it? You just try washing your car, man. That thing's got a bullseye all over it. Now, that's a zone, obviously, that you don't want to be in. It's just, just out of curiosity, has anybody ever personally, personally been in that zone? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is not fun. All right. That's a zone you don't want to be in. But we do, we do want to be in the zone that God wants us to be in, right? We want to be in the sweet spot of God's success. And here's the thing, church, we were made to live there. We were designed to live right in the sweet spot of how God wants to us to live and therefore bless us. That's the place that we want to hang out because God is for you and he wants to bless you. And we talked last week, okay, so we talk blessing all the time. So what is blessing? So here's the definition that we shared with you last week about what blessing is. Blessing is being on the tangible, go ahead and, and advance, there we go. It means it's on the receiving end of the tangible and the intangible favor of God. Now see, when we talk about getting God's blessing, we all like to be all pious and all Christian-y, right? And we say, oh, I'm God's blessing, and that means that I'm feeling peace in my spirit, I'm feeling love, feeling tranquility. I mean, it's, it's those things that, you know, uh, you can't measure. And is that part of God's blessing? Yes, it absolutely is part of God's blessing. But guess what, church? It's not all of God's blessing. God actually does delight in blessing his children in tangible ways. That is also part of the blessing of God. So, with that being said, I want to 
I want to spend a little bit of time recapping uh, the whiteboard that we, uh, we drew on last week. And, and uh, my, my free hand is not all that good when I'm in a hurry. So I re- sort of redid the board this week so you can see it a little bit better. Um, and uh, hopefully this will uh, help everybody because last week's drawing was, uh, was pretty sad. I mean, let's just be honest. It was, it was kind of sad. Um, all right. So we talked about last week several different things. And God wants us to be in the zone. The zone is where God can bless us. The zone is where God is for us and he can begin blessing our lives. He wants us to be there. All right? How do we get there? Well, we said the first step into getting into the zone is accepting John 3:16 as the truth. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Remember, God's a giver. God gave his son. Why? So that everybody who could believes in him will not perish. We believe and we receive. John 1, 12 says, as many as received him, received his salvation, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, the children of God, even to them who believe on his name. So we believe John 3, 16, we receive the salvation of God through Jesus, and that moves us into the neighborhood of the zone. But let's be honest, we know lots of Christians, and maybe you feel like you're one of them, who you've moved into the neighborhood, but you know good and well you're not living in the zone of God's blessing. Your life just feels a little disconnected. Your life does not feel like it's firing on all cylinders, which is what we mean when we talk about being in the zone. Man, things are just working. And we know that a lot of Christians, and maybe you this morning, you don't feel like your spiritual life is in the zone. You're on the target. You're in the neighborhood. You said yes to Jesus. You received his salvation. But man, things just aren't clicking. Meanwhile, there's still a bunch of people that live off of the target. They still haven't said yes to Jesus, and they're pursuing the things of the world. And we call that the land of Ing. They think the answer to all of their problems, the answer to what what is going on in the world is to have more ings. They need more clothing. They want to own more. They want to possess more. They want to earn more. Because the more you have of that, the better off you are. Right? Is that not the way the world thinks? Absolutely. All right? And so they're not, on, they're not even in the, tar, in the neighborhood or on the target yet because they're still hanging out over here in the land of Ing. And I would tell you that part of the reason that some of the people that are on the target and in the neighborhood that have received Christ have not moved into the zone yet is because they're looking back over here going, oh, well, I, I think I, I still want to hang out over there. You remember when, when God uh, delivered Israel out of, out of slavery to Egypt? And that was a terrible situation, terrible situation. They're going through the desert and they're, they're heading toward the promised land. They're heading toward the zone. Do you remember that there were some people that were like, man, I wish I could go back to Egypt. Man, it was so good. Man, it was awesome over back in Egypt. Man, we had everything we wanted. Well, they didn't have junk. 
But now all of a sudden, as they're moving toward the zone, Satan, being, being who he is, he starts pulling people back over this way. Hey, you're missing out. You're missing out on the good stuff. You got to go back and get some of this. You can't trust this. This you can hold on to yourself. You know you're in control. Am I, am I speaking the truth? All right, just making sure. All right, and so Christians get get saved they get they get on the target and they get in the neighborhood but this never quite happens why because they're still looking back over here going man it was so good back there and based on what I know about statistical research and I don't know I don't know any of your situations in here personally but here's what I do know based on statistics is that uh 10, only 10 to 25% of you here this morning are actually living in the zone of God's blessing. That's what I know based on research. 10 to 25% of you. You know what that means in the reverse? That means that 75 to 90% of you that are sitting here this morning are missing out on God's best. 75 to 90% of you sitting here this morning are missing out on God's best. Now, how many of you just say, hey, I want God's best? Raise your hand. If you're here this morning, you want God's best? Raise your hand. All right, are we unanimous on that? Do we all want God's best? Then how do we get there? How do we get into the zone where we are getting God's best? That's what I wanna talk to you about this morning. Father, as, as we kind of peel the onion back this morning and we look at, at what the scripture says about what you have to say on this subject, God, I pray that you will help us to hear with open ears. Lord, break down barriers this morning, anything that might stand between each person and hearing your word clearly and honestly. God bless your word in Jesus' name, amen. So it's interesting to me because when we talk about things in the Bible, like stress or marriage or friendships, man, we're, we're anxious to hear that. I want to hear that. Why? Because I know that whatever God says in his word, I know it's going to help me. I know it's going to help me. Right? Because God is for me. So if, if we teach or preach on, on fear or we preach on stress or we preach on marriage or friendships, man, that's going to take me to a whole nother level. I want to hear it. Well, church, the same thing is true about money. Now, we don't like to hear the preacher talk about money in the Bible. We don't like to hear him talk about it in the church. But the subject of money is no different in terms of what it can do for us if we understand it properly than any other subject in the Bible. It is for our good and we have to hear it and we have to learn it. And I will tell you this morning that it's primarily the difference in mindset between ownership and management. Ownership and stewardship. Now God sort of came out of the gate talking about the importance of management. I'm going to put this one on the screen for you. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Right off the bat, right? God blessed them, Genesis 1, 28, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, 
have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now listen, God made the world. God made the world. But he gave management of it to Adam. And he he said, hey Adam, you can name all the animals. Now, Adam didn't make the world. Adam didn't make the animals. But God said, I will give you management over it all. I'll give you responsibility for it. And I will give you authority over it. In exchange for one thing. You give me one day. You give me one day. I'm giving you management, responsibility, and authority over all this stuff that you had nothing to do with. But I want one day. Right? You familiar with that concept? God said, I want one day. And God has been making this message consistent since the beginning of time. Look in Exodus chapter 13. I'll put this on the screen, but there's going to be a few verses back and forth in Exodus, so I encourage you to open it up. Exodus chapter 13, verse 2. Exodus 13, 2. Now remember, uh, Israel has been in slavery to Egypt for over 400 years. So they're sort of in a retraining period. God had sort of set the standard with Adam. And over the course of hundreds of years and over 400 years of slavery, the Israelites have sort of lost their way. And so God is now retraining them as they move toward the zone a place of blessing, the promised land, where God said, I'm, it's flowing with what? Milk and what? Milk and honey. It's going to be so good you can't stand it. It's going to be awesome. God was moving them toward a place of blessing, but having to retrain them in the process. And he said in verse 2 of chapter 13, he said, consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it's mine. Now, Consecrate is a word in the Bible that basically means to set aside for holy use. And I know it's kind of scary to a lot of us, but in the Old Testament, God had already set the standard, and now he's retraining them that, hey, the first child, the firstborn child in the Old Testament is to be set aside for God's purposes, for God's use to be consecrated for whatever God wanted to do with them, all right? That was the first child. And the first animal was to be sacrificed unless it was born in an unclean state. And if that was the case, then they would take a clean animal and sacrifice it in the place of the unclean firstborn and redeem that firstborn. Now, here's what's so cool about that. That's an early picture of Jesus, Jesus was firstborn, was he not? And Jesus was set aside for God's purposes, was he not? And on top of that, Jesus was sacrificed for those of us who are unclean, which is all of us other than Jesus, in order to provide redemption. How cool is that? You think God saw this coming from the beginning? All of the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. We just have to be able to see it. 
And if you think, well, maybe that, you know, that, that whole, you know, firstborn thing, that ended in, uh, the, the importance of it ended in the Old Testament. I, I beg to differ. First Corinthians chapter 15, 20, this will be on the screen. Paul says, but now Christ is risen from the dead and he has become, what's the next word? First fruits. Jesus raised from the dead became the first fruits, that Old Testament word. Jesus was the first of many who had fallen asleep. There is something so incredibly big and so important in the Bible about first things. So I want to talk about that for just a little bit. All right, so flip over to Exodus chapter 23. So it should be just a few pages over if you're in Exodus 13. You should be able to get to Exodus 23 in just a couple of pages. And if we look at verse 19, here's what the scripture says. The first of the first fruits uh, you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. The first of the first fruits. Do you think God's trying to make a point here? It's like, it's not just the first fruits. I want the first of the first fruits. I want the very first thing. And I want you to bring it to the house of the Lord your God. Not give, bring it. I want you to bring it to the house of the Lord your God. Now, I want to take you back to a story that a lot of you are familiar with uh, that might shed some new light on this whole idea about, about first fruits. All right, I want to take you to Cain and Abel. So flip back to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 3 through 5. Now, most of you are familiar with this story. Even people who don't know the Bible at least have heard of this. So, this probably won't be new, but maybe you'll see this in a slightly new way this morning, beginning in verse 3 of chapter 4. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock, there's that word again, and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Now, we read that, and we see that God accepted Abel's offering, but he rejected Cain's. He said, hey, Abel, what you're bringing me is perfectly fine. I receive it. And what Cain brought, he goes, nope, don't want it. Now, I used to think that this was because Abel brought a blood sacrifice and Cain brought what he had grown. Any of you think that? Raise your hand. Okay, there's a few. That used to be how I thought, like, like, okay, so he didn't like Cain's because Cain didn't bring anything to sacrifice. Cain just brought stuff that he grew. Well, in the New Testament, in Matthew 23, 23, Jesus kind of blows that argument out of the water because he's talking to the Pharisees and he says, hey, y'all tithed a tenth out of your mint and your dill and your cumin. In other words, your herb garden, you tithed that thing. And he says, you should have. That's exactly what you should have done. But then there were some other things that you're not doing that you need to pay attention to. 
So in other words, Jesus said to the Pharisees that when they're bringing stuff out of their garden as a tithe to the Lord, that was perfectly acceptable. It was supposed to happen. So what in the world was wrong with what Cain did? How come God did not receive what Cain brought to him as an offering? Well, let's look back in verse 3. In the process of time, it came to pass. You know what I think that means? I think Cain waited for all of it to come in. Cain waited for it all to grow. He waited for it all to come in. He wanted to check his bank account. He wanted to check his ledger. He wanted to check what he owed, what he had coming in, what he had going out. And he wanted to make sure that he had everything covered. I don't want to give anything to God yet because I got to make sure that I'm good. I got to make sure that I'm whole. And when he did that, and he finally made sure that he was okay, then he decided he would take God some leftovers. And God said, nope. Not taking it. Why? Because the Bible says we are to bring our first fruits to the house of the Lord. First things first. I'm going to share a passage of scripture with you that maybe you know, maybe you don't know. It's in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. I'll put this on the screen for you. The writer of Proverbs, Solomon, wisest man in, in human history, said in verse 9, he said, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the what? What's the next word? With the first fruits of all your what? Increase. All right. So whatever, whatever comes in that increases what you have, the first fruits of that, you need to honor the Lord with it. Why? So that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, does that sound like living in the zone? Does it? If, if your barns are filled with plenty and your vats are overflowing with new wine, does that sound like God's blessing and you're living in the zone? Yes, okay. So Solomon says, if, if you want to hang out here, you want to live in this place where God's blessing can fall, it starts with bringing the first fruits of what you have to the Lord. Now, I want to shed some more light on that, that you may or may not have ever made this connection before. There's a couple of verses in Proverbs 3 that we love. Almost all of us love these two verses. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Right? Know, that, know those, those two verses? Love those verses, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. This is just three verses later. What's the connection? Here's the connection. Solomon says, bring God your first fruits. Here's what happens for most of us, and it's why we're not living in the zone. We're still kind of being drawn back to the land of Ing because we look at what we've got, and we go, that doesn't work. I can't make that work. I got too much going out. I got too many obligations. I got too many bills. I got too many things that have to be done. 
and I cannot trust God with my first fruits. But he said in 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and in all your ways acknowledge him. Do your ways involve how you use your money? Yes or no? All right. Trust in the Lord in all your ways. Trust him with the money that you cannot understand how it's going to possibly work. And he will make it work. Now we love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, but we need to marry them up to Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 because that's the way we get into the zone of God's blessing. Let me, let me share something with you, a personal story. And this isn't a story about tithing per se, but it is about trusting God with something that makes no sense. Uh, our family takes vacation uh, once every four or five years with my mom and, and my stepdad, my brother and his wife, and my stepsister and, um, and her husband. And several years ago, we went to uh, Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and our two boys were still in high school. Zachary was, I think he was a senior in high school at that time. And uh, they had, my stepsister and her husband had two boys that were basically the same age as our boys. So they had a great time together. And so the adults were doing some stuff and Zach was driving our car. And the car broke down. And so he called me, hey dad, you know, the car just stopped. And uh, so we went and got it. We had it picked up. We had it towed to a, a, a place to fix it. And uh, it was, I don't know, 700 something dollars to fix the car. I, I forget what happened to the engine, but uh, it had to be fixed. I mean, we're 600 miles from home. And we had to have the car fixed. And at that time, I mean, you know, we were still fairly new in a church plant. And I don't know if you know anything about church planting, but it's, it's not a get rich quick scheme. Uh, so we weren't making a whole lot of money. And so seven, $800 for us, that was a chunk of our money. In fact, it was almost all the money that we had in savings, but we had to get home. So we paid it. So everybody goes home on Sunday. Now, while we were going to take the car to get fixed, while we were towing it to a repair shop, we happened to pass a church that I had seen a picture of in a magazine. I mean, when I saw it, I'm like, I've seen that church. Like, how have I seen that church? And I began to think about it. I'm like, you know what? I think I've seen that church in a magazine. And so we decided before we go home, 600 mile drive home, we're going to go to church. Now, it would have been easy to just hit the road, 600 miles, long way to go. But you know what? We're going to go to church. So we go to church and, uh, and it, we, had a, we had a great experience. There was a missionary there who was from India and uh, he was actually a native of India. It, it, listening to him was like listening to the Apostle Paul uh, and, and the things that he had gone through. It was mind boggling. It was absolutely stunning. And I was, man, my heart was blessed and I was moved. And they took up an offering at the end of the service. Now, we've used almost all the money that we've got to our name to fix our car. We've still got 600 miles to go to get home. And I pulled out my, my wallet to, to give something. And I'm like, I can't do this. I got no way to give to this missionary. And we still got to get home. And I don't know if you know this, but the cars don't run on hope and a prayer. It takes gas. You got to pay for gas. And uh, so I'm thinking, I can't do this. But God was just burdening my heart. No, trust me. Trust me. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Okay? 
So I'm like, Lord, I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm going to give my money. I gave $50. It wasn't a ton of money, but for us trying to get 600 miles back home, I'm like, I really don't know how this is going to work. So we gave. After the service, I wanted to introduce myself as a church planter to the pastor and just say, you know what, I, we, we were blessed today. It just did our heart good to be here in the service with you. And so I started to talk to him and I said, I'm a church planner in Peoria, Illinois. And he said, church planner, huh? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, well, hold on, hold on a second. And he said, Bill, Bill, come over here, come over here. He said, uh, hey, uh, go, go, go get the cash box. And uh, he said, brother, he said, a couple of weeks ago, I had a guy that was, that was here for a service. He was a church planter. And, uh, and he came up to me and was talking to me after the service. And I just sort of blew him off because I had other things to do. And after I blew him off, God just convicted me. He said, man, don't ever do that again. Church planters have got a hard road to hoe. He said, if you ever, you ever have another church planter come in and speak to you at the end of a service, you bless them, brother. So he got the cash box. And that $50 that I gave to the missionary turned into $100 back to us. See, God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. But you gotta be willing to bless somebody else. You've gotta be willing to trust God with your stuff. That story has ministered to me so many times, I can't even tell you. And it would have never happened if we hadn't trusted God. God wants us to live right here. But we've got to trust the Lord with our first fruits. Now, I want to give you an example. I got a $100 bill. We had our Veterans Day and had something about our founders. And Benjamin Franklin was a founder. And uh, I, like, uh, I like to keep portraits of Ben. Ben is one of my favorites. And uh, so uh, Ben has a, I got a soft spot in my heart for Ben. All right, $100 bill. All right. If somebody will bring me $10 right now, I'll give you $100. All right, brother. Was that a good deal or what? Not necessarily for me. That worked out pretty good for Cody. You give me 10, I'll give you 100. How sweet is that? Church, that's the minimum worship requirement. See, God says, you give me 10, I'll give you 100. And it's a simple easy exchange and God's got a lot more hundreds than we've got tens he's got way more of those than we've got of these and he says I got no problem raining them down into your life if you will just simply trust me and when he does 
then we're able to start blessing other people. We're able to take what God is giving us and start distribute that to other people who are also in need of a blessing. And it's this beautiful chain of reaction that God has built into the creation that he made. Hey, I give to you, you give to others, they give to others. I give more to you, you give more to others. And it's this beautiful cycle that God built into his family. That's the way it's supposed to work. Do you know that the church is the most important thing to Jesus? That's what he died for, right? Jesus died for the church. And if the church is the most important thing to Jesus, and it is, then don't you think that he would bless the people that are in the church so that they can in turn bless the church to carry out the gospel of Jesus Christ? Does that not make sense to you? God, this morning, is blessing some of you abundantly so that you can in turn bless the church abundantly because that's the way that it works and that first 10 percent has what has what has got the octane it's got it's what's got the power that first 10 percent because that is where we step out into faith and we say god three five and six I acknowledge you, I trust you, this doesn't make sense to me, but because I trust you, I know you can make it work, and so I step out in that, and I give you that first 10%, and then God says, yeah, I got it, I got it, I can make it work, and he does, over and over and over again. And so when I bring, and Leslie and I bring that first 10%, and we give it to Orchardville Church, then that means the other 90% of that is getting supernaturally blessed. Supernaturally blessed. And that brings up the question, and I'm gonna put this on the screen for you because you need to wrestle with this this morning. Do you wanna live with the 90% of your income that's blessed or do you wanna live up with 100% that's cursed? that's blessed or 100% that's cursed. You go, I don't know. I don't know if I'm buying that one. Do you remember before the children of Israel finally got to go into the promised land? Moses was ending, ending the near, the, nearing the end of his life, and they'd been kind of wandering through the wilderness for almost 40 years, getting finally ready to go into the blessed zone, the promised land. And Moses, through God, or, or God through Moses, says to the children of Israel, I set before you blessing and curse. You remember that? And you think to yourself, why would anybody pick curse? Because like, isn't that a no-brainer? I want the blessing. I want the blessing. Give me the blessing, baby. I don't want to curse. You think, why in the world would anybody pick the curse? Nobody's going to pick that. But God said, it's your choice. I set before you blessing or curse. You want the blessing? Follow my word. Live according to my word. Follow my commands. Do what I tell you because when, I, when you do what I tell you, I'm setting you up to live in the, in the blessed place, in the zone. But if you choose not to do that, then you are separating yourself from that and you are living under a curse. Now, you think that'd be an easy choice for them. But when they were finally ready to go, 
Joshua had taken over. They were, remember the story, walking around the walls of Jericho? And, and he said, hey, walk around the walls of Jericho. Walls are going to fall down. You go in, you kill them all, you take it. But, but, everything from that city belongs to me. It's the first city that you're going to conquer going into the promised land, the first one, and everything from that, I want the first fruits. You give it to me first. Everything that comes after this, you can have it all. All the spoils of war, all the things from what you conquer, you can keep it all, but the first one is mine. Well, God did what he said he would do. The walls fell. They go in. Hey, this is an awesome time. The next day, they, they have a, send an army team to go out and, and conquer the next town. They were slaughtered. Like, whoa, whoa, what happened here? Well, there was a guy by the name of Achan. You can read his story in Joshua chapter 6. A guy by the name of Achan. While they were clearing out Jericho, Achan was going, you know what? I wouldn't mind having a few more ings. Those things look pretty good to me. Yeah, I got a few things that I'd like to do in the promised land. I could stand a few more of these. And you know what Achan did? Achan took some of the stuff. And he buried it. Kept it for himself. And because of that, he brought a curse on all. People died. Literally died because Achan broke God's command of, hey, give me first. And not only did some other people die and suffer at Achan's hand, Achan's entire family lost their lives. Why? Because they were under a curse. Because God said, give me first. Give me, I, I said before you today, blessing and curse. It's a no-brainer, right? Except it's not a no-brainer. People are choosing all the time not to live in the blessing of God, but choosing to live in the curse of God. Because we will not listen to him and follow his command. And God said, you know what, Achan, you're cursed because you're robbing me. Look at Malachi chapter 3. Last, last book in the Old Testament, just before you get to Matthew. So if you get to Matthew, just turn back one book. Malachi chapter 3. Verse 8 and 9. God said through the prophet Malachi, he said, will a man rob God? Now, how stupid is that? Who would rob God? Nobody's going to rob God. But God said, yeah, you have. You've robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And here's what God says. In tithes and offerings. And you are what? What's the next word? Cursed. With a what? Curse. Why? Because you've robbed me. God has made it clear from the beginning, the first fruits, the first thing of the increase, 10%, it belongs to God. It's not yours. And when we hang out over here, we think this stuff is ours. But God says, no, it's not yours. It was never yours in the first place. I gave it to you. You're over there shaking your box of nerds and goes, it's mine, mine, mine. And God says, no, I gave it to you. I can take it away if I want to. And 
God said through Malachi that if you're not tithing, you are robbing me. And you know what that means? God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your money. You're not hurting God if you don't tithe. You know who you're hurting? You. You're hurting you. Because it is keeping you from living in a place where God can bless you all the time. Are you living on the 90% that's redeemed? Or are you living on 100% that's cursed? See, God said, bring it into the storehouse. Bring it into the house of the Lord your God. And in the New Testament, that's the local church. That's the local church. You bring 10% to the church where you worship. That's the minimum worship requirement. Because in God's wisdom, he decided to move the gospel through the world, through the, the, the ministry and the blessing of the local church. Now, we believe in missions here at Orchardville. We have quite a few that we support. And if you believe in missions, great. If you support some missionaries on your own, great. Praise God for that. But that should be above and beyond your 10% tithe. You know why? Because God said bring 10% into where? Into the Lord's house. This is where it starts. Tithes and what's the other word? Tithes and what? Offerings. There's a difference, church. The tithe is brought to God's house, the Lord's house, the local church. Offerings are above that and they can be given anywhere you want to give them. Praise God. If you're somebody here this morning and you attend another church, bring your tithe to that church. This is not the place for it. It isn't. If you want to give above your tithe to bless this ministry, then praise God. That's all well and good. But if you belong to another church, that is where your tithe should be going. If you give to a missionary or any other uh, nonprofit, it should be above and beyond your tithe because God said, bring me the tithe into my house, the local church. And if you don't, you're only hurting yourself because you are cutting yourself off from the blessing of God. And church, we can either be clogs or we can be conduits. A conduit lets something pass through it. A clog, I don't know if you've got a lot of experience with clogs. I have. There's some pretty ugly things. Some pretty nasty things. You don't want to deal with clogs. Ugly things happen with clogs. But a conduit lets things go right through it. And we can choose to be a clog where things get really messy. Or we can choose to be a conduit where says, God says, I'm going to bless you because you're living in a blessable way. And as I bless you, now you can bless others. And it's this beautiful ecosystem that God has created. Verse 10, Malachi chapter three. He said, bring all the tithes in the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this. See if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Who wants to be on the receiving end of that blessing? Raise your hand. Church, do you know 
that when God says, test me in this, that's the only place in the entire Bible that God says, test me? Test me. You think I'm kidding? Test me. Now, our job as church leaders is to help you walk in the truth and the teaching of God's word. And so, we're going to do something about that. Not going to not going to start this today, but I'm going to let you know about it today. Next Sunday, these are going to be available. We're going to do something called the three-month tithe challenge. If you're here this morning and you're not currently tithing, that means that you're not fully receiving the best that God has for you. You're cutting yourself off from God's best. But you say, well, I'm scared. I, I, I would love to trust God, but I'm scared. We're going to help you take that step. So this three-month tithe challenge, we'll make this available starting next Sunday. And here's what it says. Giving away 10% of your income can be a big and often frightening commitment. That's why we created the three-month tithing challenge. It is a money-back guarantee of sorts. Essentially, it's a contract based on God's promise in Malachi chapter 3, 10 through 11. We commit to you that if you tithe for three months... And God doesn't hold true to his promise of blessing, we'll refund 100% of your tithe. You sign your name on this, we mean it. We mean it. We want to help you trust God. Why? Because we believe God. The leadership of your church believes God. And because we believe God, we're willing to step out on that branch and say, if you'll step out and God doesn't bless you the way we know he will, we'll give it back. We'll sign our name to it. We'll make these available next Sunday. Because we know that God is good to his word. You will never know the blessing of God to its fullest extent until and unless you trust God with the first fruits of what he's given you. Now, there's some people who go, well, you know, that's, it's, that's Old Testament. It's Old Testament. I'm, we're, under, we're in the New Testament. It's under grace. Eh, New Testament stuff doesn't apply anymore. Really? Really? I'm glad you, glad you think that. Because tithing has nothing to do with the law. It has nothing to do with the law. We read, we read the verse about Cain and Abel, right? Genesis? Genesis chapter 4? Cain brought the first of his flock, right? The very first thing. Last week we read about Abraham tithing, tithing to Melchizedek. That was Genesis chapter 14. That was hundreds and hundreds of years before the law. Tithing has nothing to do with the law, church. Tithing is about honoring God. As he blesses us, we honor him. And I know there are people that still, you know, they just don't like talking about money. And it's because in Matthew chapter 6, 21, Jesus said something really profound and kind kind of deep. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So when we talk about money, it tends to reveal to each of us where our heart is. And when we realize that our heart is over here and not here, we feel convicted. And that's why people don't like anybody talking about money. Do you know that today is the 28th Sunday since I've, I've been here? This is the first time I've actually spoken on money. First Sunday. Do you know that Jesus talked about money more than any other subject other than the kingdom of God? Did you know that? 
He talked about money more than anything else other than the kingdom of God. Did you know that almost one third of parables involve your boxes of nerds? Why? Because Jesus knew that our boxes of nerds, our money, competes with God for lordship in our life. And so as you sit in the stands of life and God says, bring it to me, what's your response? Are you bringing it or are you saying mine? Let's pray. Father, when we talk about money, nobody really gets too excited about it because it's just so personal. But Lord, you said that where our treasure is, our heart is. Lord, as we start to trust you with our treasure, our heart actually moves toward you. But God, when we withhold our treasure from you, our heart moves away from you. So God, I pray that as we reach the end of the message this morning that your children will not hear so much a message about money, but they'll hear a message about their heart and how you have a heart to bless each and every one of us. God, we just have to trust you. And we have to trust you with our first fruits. If you're here this morning and you're still not on the, you're not on the target, you're not in the neighborhood because you haven't said yes to Jesus, you can change that today. You can say yes to Jesus right here, right now, and you can move into the neighborhood of God's blessing. I'm gonna pray a a quick prayer and you can pray this with me wherever you are, dear Lord. I come to you this morning and I confess my sin. I confess my need for a savior. Lord, would you come into my life, forgive me, live with me, welcome me into your family Lord I, I, don't, I don't know what all that looks like from this day forward but Lord I know that's what I want God save me I believe you died on the cross for me and today I receive that I place my faith in you in Jesus name